Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, also called Shangguan Jiawan. I'm originally from California, but I'm located in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today, we would like to welcome to the show Todd Kunz. He is a professional voice actor in China, originally from America. Todd does voices for cartoons, video games, and even voiceovers for Chinese movies. Hello, Todd, and welcome to the show. Hello. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm also sitting here in Beijing. Uh, chatting with you guys. <laughs> Todd, just to get a, our, so our listeners have a, know a little bit more about you, where in, a, in the States are you from? Well, that's a long story, really, because I don't have a, a particular hometown. Uh, both of my parents are American, but I was born in Belgium when they were stationed in the military. Oh, oh. Yeah, so um, I was technically born in Belgium and then moved back to the States like six months after that. And I've because my mm. parents were in the military, we moved pretty much every three or four years. So I've lived in Del Rio, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, Taylor, Michigan, Washington, D.C., Florida, Missouri, <laughs> and uh, wow. moved around a lot. So I don't I don't really have like a hometown. Home is just uh, where I happen to be at the moment or where my parents happen to be at the moment. So <laughs> right now they're in um, they are in Arizona. I have a sister in England. I have another sister in Missouri. And then uh, I would say I spent. Before I came to China, I spent uh, a good 10, 12 years in the Midwest. So generally speaking, if mm. people don't have the patience to go through this long story or I don't feel like it, <laughs> I just tell them, oh, Chicago area. <laughs> so... Wow, that's that's. Do you have a because you're in Belgium? Do you have any like a uh, citizenship in Europe or no, anything? No, like I that? don't. I do not. I I, th I think there was an option at a time that I completely missed where I could have perhaps declared a dual citizenship by the time I was 16, but mm. I, I did not take advantage of that. Didn't even know about it. So. That'd be pretty fancy. I haven't even been back. To, I mean, I haven't I haven't done much traveling through Europe. So uh, I certainly haven't been to Belgium. But I, I talked to a Belgian guy once, and I mentioned where I was born, uh, and he said. Oh, there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is that the wrong side of the tracks? And he was like, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. That's like, Goodness. that's like when I was telling my friends I was moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, and they were like, oh, where? <laughs> hey, that's a pretty place, though. Yeah, I hear I good things. I, I, I know so many people who seems live like there. People don't really know oh. about Charlotte that much. That's why we're like, where are you moving to? That oh, wow. place? I don't know that place. I only know Douglas mm. International Airport. You've been living in China for, uh, what, five, six, seven years? Uh, coming up on six years now. Yeah. I came here in 2016, May 2016. Great. Well, you've been you've been here quite a while. What are some of the things that you enjoy living about uh, living well, in China? Well, you know, I've only lived in Beijing. So I always have to tell my friends, especially back home, like... Uh, Beijing is not China necessarily. I mean, it is in China, but like uh, you can't listen to me and then talk to another, you know, a Chinese person and expect that we have the same experience. Um, so mm. with that caveat, of course, um, I've been in Beijing the whole time and I really love the convenience of being here. Um, I'm kind of mm -hmm. I've lived in small towns. I've lived in big cities. I pretty much thrive in both mm -hmm. and I enjoy both for different reasons. I do like the big city of Beijing. And I think the thing I enjoy the most about it is that I'm a 
I'm, I'm kind of a pretty busy guy. I like to get up and do things and, and try stuff. And so uh, I feel like Beijing is a, is a city that's just always on the move. And uh, it's super mm. busy. And uh, the pace here is, of life is fast. And um, it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be. But you can really jump in and, and have a lot of mm. opportunities and do a lot of things. And so I think that's what I've enjoyed the most. And also... I sort of like the scrappiness of Beijing a little bit. <laughs> I mean, as a big city in China, for example, like compared to Shanghai, which I, I don't have a lot of experience in Shanghai, but I've been there about a half a dozen mm-hmm. times and for different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I like Beijing. Like the, it's just, um, it's a, uh, people are a little more relaxed. I think this is my impression anyway. Wow. My, it's the opposite of what I usually hear from people that like Beijing is super intense. It is. You go to like another city and it's very relaxed. Well, so. I mean, intense in a certain way. I, I feel like, like uh, in Shanghai, I would have to um, kind of care about what I look like when I go out. Oh, I see. You I know? See, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I, I think Todd's right. I do have to chime in on this. I, I went on a business trip. I, yeah, I went on a business trip a couple of weeks ago to to Shanghai. And when I was packing, I was picking mm. out like the most, you know, all of the clothing items that I think are impressive. <laughs> because I was like, I just felt like I, I felt like if I didn't, I would be looked <laughs> down upon. In Shanghai, so wow. I had to yeah. dress up. Well, I also, know. I like the fact that, and, and I think this is a positive for some people, negative for others, but I... I feel like if I were living in Shanghai, especially my first few years in China, um, I probably my Mandarin wouldn't be so great. Hmm. It's still not that great, but um, at least you know I've I I feel like in Beijing I was really forced to learn the mm. local language, and that was an advantage. Um, some people don't want that pressure. Mm. Um, I need to have that pressure applied to me, or else I just won't do it. And so um, I, I feel like uh, Shanghai has a little bit of a handicap for foreigners in that way that you can get around, generally speaking, mm-hmm. surprisingly mm-hmm. far without any Chinese at all. Um, whereas that just isn't, I've never experienced, that's really not the case. I get a little bit of a that different vibe so here in Wuhan. When I try to speak, sometimes people correct me a lot because I, I slip into like a little bit of Beijing dialect oh, no. and people are like, oh no, no, that's <laughs> not right. And they'll like, correct me. It's ED Indian, not EDR. Oh, right. that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. I was corrected by a taxi driver once. I was like, what? Why are you correcting me? He was really just trying to, it was like, I was like, mer, and he was like, no, men, men. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You're clearly not from here, which is very odd for a taxi driver. Hey guys, that's free Chinese classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically if you want if you'd want to pretend that you're from Beijing, just speak Mandarin but with like a pirate accent and you're <laughs> you've got pretty it. much pretty much. <laughs> So, Todd, we're really on here because it's fascinating the kind of work that you do. And I think a lot of people would be very interested to hear about it. And so uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, I'm a full time voice actor and sometimes on screen actor as well, but uh, mm-hmm. primarily voice. At least that's what I try to push because I want to be as mobile <laughs> and free as possible. Um, yeah, I, uh, I voice. Uh, I, I started out doing this on the side several years ago and. The business just got to the point where I was like making more money than I was making at my regular job. Mm. And so I just decided to transition and I started a company here in Beijing. Uh, and uh, nice. And uh, to just, you know, if you if you start if you have your own company uh, and all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, then you can also mm-hmm. have your company issue you your visa. So I'm I'm in full control mm. of my of my work permit, which is nice. Liberating. Um, Good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's I, it's a real very liberating. Um, but yeah, so um, it's just a one-man company right now. It might be more later. But uh, I just, uh, I voice 
I dub uh, TV shows, uh, Chinese TV shows, into English. I might wow. play a number of characters in one t- in one show. Um, I've dubbed uh, commercials, and I've dubbed uh, movies. I've dubbed cartoons and done voices for those. And then um, more recently, there have been a lot of mm-hmm. there have been a lot of Chinese video games that are going overseas, or Chinese yeah. companies are just making games for the overseas market and skipping the Chinese market entirely mm-hmm. because it's actually pretty difficult to publish a game here with lots of restrictions. Yeah. So um, I have uh, I voiced many characters in oh, about a dozen or so video games, uh, mobile games, things like that, RPGs. Um, yeah, some some big ones. Uh, Call of Antia, ATK Arena. I don't know. You know, I don't play. I I do play games, but I don't play these games. So I never I was end up hearing say. myself. <laughs> you know, la- last week we had a gentleman on the show who does a professional video gamer, and he owns uh NFT company, and he uh, also is a like really involved in developing video game culture in China. Mm. And he had a company that moved around to different cities and stuff. And I'm I'm curious, maybe if you and him would actually be. Oh yeah, I know that game. That's you in the you know doing the voice. And, you know, so I hope he, I hope he that listens to this. Yeah, That's yeah, very likely. Be. I yeah, think. because Pat plays plays everything. Ah, well, lately, I, and I do audiobooks as well. Um, there's some platforms um, that do genre specific audiobooks, and uh, and I have pretty very very regular work with a couple of these platforms, and so they'll just send me novels. And I get to record those from home. So I have a home studio wow. and I would do, I do about I would say 50 to 60 percent of my work uh, is from home so that I can just um, I have people who will send me stuff during the day. Um, you know, the life of this is is no matter really how experienced you are, you generally have to audition for everything. Mm-hmm. Even if the studio you're working for mm-hmm. knows you very well and wants you for a particular voice, they have a client and the client wants to hear samples, you know, before they can't they just listen to previous work. They can. And sometimes they do. Um, but they generally, you know, if they have a particular character in a game and um, he's, you know, uh, looks a particular way or has a particular personality. And so they just kind of want to hear you doing their lines a few times. Thinking yeah. of new questions as you're talking yeah. based on the things that you're saying. And you say you do multiple uh, characters in the same like cartoon or game. Mm-hmm. So like, could you give us a sample of a different version of Todd voice? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have these different. Like, I have an old man voice. It's kind of like this if you're a really old man. <laughs> or um, I kind of modified that a little bit to play a monkey in a in a pretty famous Chinese cartoon um, that's going overseas. It's called Panda and Rooster. Ooh. Um, CCTV, I think, uh, does it. I was like. A monkey like this. So this monkey goes around. And so that's kind of like my old man voice, but with a gorilla. Not a monkey, gorilla sound, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, if you want to be like a rabbit or something like that. Oh. Or if I'm an old English gentleman who wow. was walking down the street with a sword. And, oh, my God. That's you know, so- uh, do you have like, a, you say you have a child, you have a son? I do have a son, yeah. So when you're reading stories to your son, is your son like having the best like story experience <laughs> ever? It's a, it's a perfect opportunity like for me to practice my voices yeah when i'm reading to him yeah it's true that's, that's amazing mm-hmm. uh, so- or if it's just reading and not doing voices your son would be like dad please step up pressure's <laughs> always on i'm always at work dang I it <laughs> i don't like that voice can you go to change it dad <laughs> yeah dad let's take it from the top again <laughs> right 
Make them a little younger, right? <laughs> That's what I get sometimes. Can you do it a little younger? Okay. <laughs> wow. So you do get asked to adjust your voice to suit the creator's vision for the voice? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like I said, oftentimes I've auditioned before I've come in, and so they've heard a sample that they like, and so they'll be like, do that mm-hmm. voice. But they might also say, like, do that voice, but we want them a little more evil sounding you know uh, or uh or intense or younger or whatever and, uh, and sometimes you know you get called in and um there are times when i've done a game and i've never seen these characters before mm. and so i just have to come up with a voice on the fly and if they like it they like it if they don't then we try different things until mm. we get what they want so wow as, especially for the video games you know video games are probably um you, mm. you might only have 12 lines like this character might only have 12 lines, but it can take you like an hour <laughs> to do those 12 lines because it has to be yeah. just absolutely mm. perfect, you know, in, in every way. And because so, they're going to hear that same line many, many times playing the game. Exactly. Like that game. Yeah. What it's called? Everybody's talking about double kill, triple kill, pentakill. Like everybody right. talks about it. Yes. That probably took a long time to record. There are a lot of games that are just like that. Yeah, exactly. Like double kill, <laughs> triple kill, <laughs> fatality, you know, whatever. Fatality. <laughs> yeah. So um, working in this industry, have you had any like eye opening experiences or like suddenly realize you need to readjust your approach or like aha kinds of moments? Um, In the industry, I've just had some pleasant surprises more than anything. I've mm. been very, very fortunate. And I think that... um. Right now is the ideal time uh, for people like me here in Beijing because uh, because of the pandemic and China's a bit more uh, closed off mm-hmm. and uh, there are fewer foreigners here. A lot of people mm-hmm. have left. And mm-hmm. so there's a smaller pool of people. And so at one point, I just had this happy <laughs> moment, you know, where I realized, wow, I'm getting more calls. I'm getting, you know, around more to different studios and getting to meet more people. And I'm really trying to take advantage of that mm. so that I'm sure, you know, before long, people will start flooding back in here and, and hopefully I'll be, you know, established. well established. Yeah. yeah, for that so that the competition isn't as fierce. Um, that's one advantage of being here really is that uh, if I were trying to do this back home and I have off and on um, done this back home, I do have a background mm. in, mm-hmm. in broadcast, uh, radio, um, filmmaking, things like that. But I, oh. as far as voice work and things like that, um, it was kind of hard to break into that back home because there's so much competition. Everybody wants mm-hmm. to do this, even now more than ever. Um, whereas here in China, um, I can't do Chinese very mm-hmm. well, but I can do <laughs> English quite well. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm one of a few mm-hmm. uh, of us. So the circle is quite small. And in Beijing mm-hmm. is where most of the post-production work happens for films and TV shows. So I'm I just happen to also wow. be in the perfect city for it. Mm. So it's been a it's been fortuitous. You know, I'm I'm knocking on wood right <laughs> here. <laughs> but I've been lucky more mm. than anything, really, uh, that there's just this confluence of circumstances that have allowed me to do what I'm, I'm doing relatively easily and, and get in on it pretty quickly. That's pretty amazing. But, you know, a lot of people are now working remotely, even in other countries. Could you do projects like currently over the last year or so where you're working with companies that are outside of China? Um, This is something I want to explore. I'm so busy with stuff in China right now um, mm-hmm. that I'm just lucky to have to just not have time. But my ultimate goal is to be fully remote so that no matter where I am in the world, Mm -hmm. I can do this. Um, It's pretty important to me. So like I said, about 60% of what I do is from home. And even though I'm working for Chinese companies, theoretically, I could do that from anywhere, right? So jealous. (laughs) Um, So I'm really lucky. And but, you know, when you're freelancing, I mean, essentially it's freelancing. So when you're freelancing and it's just on a job by job 
you know, project by project basis, you never know, you know, what's going to mm. um, dry up at any point. I at one time was doing mm -hmm. daily um, readings for Alibaba. Alibaba's platform has factory uh, mm -hmm. descriptions. It's, it's very boring work, but it was very steady work. And I had to read these factory descriptions and uh, they would send me 30 to 60 wow. of them every night. And each of them has to be timed precisely uh, mm, between wow. a minute 50 and a minute wow. 55. Um, but, you know, you, you get in a rhythm and you can do it. And that was <laughs> nice, just steady, boring. But, you know, it's uh, that's sort of like uh, yeah. the money, you know, is always going to be there. Right. But that kind of stopped. Um, I think Alibaba found other people or they decided to do things a different way. And so uh, that regular steady um, income that I had with that job uh, was mm. gone just pretty much overnight, which is fine because I try In to diversify. And age, and that's what you have to do, right? Yeah. You have to have a number of these gigs. Yeah, you have to have a number of these gigs. So, so you know, in between bigger projects like a movie or a, or a TV series, um, you need to have mm -hmm. things that are coming to you quite regularly. And so I try to try to balance that out. You know, I have taught on social media and I noticed that you one of your friends was commenting on having found a picture of you as a model, <laughs> like in a poster somewhere that they'd seen what? in like a subway or something. So you also do modeling. Is that right? Um, I do. No, I don't really do model. Like I'm not out there posing for pictures. What I'm doing is on-camera ads um, for like uh, Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube. I think those are most of the platforms they show up on mm. for these video games. This is something I've mm. recently mm. gotten into, just started out a few months ago because it's turned out to be quite lucrative. And that is, they're goofy. They're, they're very goofy ads because they have to be because they need to capture your attention in like, you know, five sec, four seconds. Mm. Um, but they're for video games, casino games, um, uh, mobile games mostly. Uh, and yeah, I do that quite regularly. I'm, I'm probably shooting once or twice a week on those, on those types of ads. And that, mm. that pays quite well as well. And once again, smaller pool of people here. So I've been able to kind of sneak in on that and, and do that. And it's been crazy because like you said, there are friends of mine that I have not talked to since high school wow. Wow. who have messaged me and are like, <laughs> is this you? Am I, is this crazy? Am I, I'm, you're coming up in Facebook for me. So I think one of these companies is doing a lot of ad buys and I've turned up in a lot of my friends feeds back home, which is kind of fun, but also a little silly because these ads are really silly. <laughs> so um, you get to work on TV shows and movies and sometimes you're actually on set. So have you met some famous uh, Chinese celebrities that maybe we've heard of? I've met some um, famous Chinese directors. Uh, wow. Tsui Hark. Uh, I've worked with him pretty closely. Wow. Oh, God, He's I love great. And um, Dante Lam, uh, I was on set. I was actually working with Dante Lam's team on the big, um, what, Chang Jin Hu? Uh, the oh, big wow. movie that, that came out last year. Um, I think one of the biggest Chinese movies of all time. I was, I was very fortunate to be able to be hired by Dante Lam's team as a dialogue coach mm. on set yeah. for a portion of the shooting. So they had um, a lot of they needed a lot of uh, quote unquote American actors. In reality, yeah. the actors are, you know, they're white faces, Russian. but they're Russian, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Or British, you know, uh, just whoever they could find, because this movie was huge and they were rounding up as many people as they could because they couldn't really get people from overseas because of the coronavirus. Yeah. And so um, I was on set uh, with helping uh, these actors do the best they could mm -hmm. with um, 
getting the American English right and talking like a military people in the 1950s <laughs> with the full knowledge uh, that most of them are probably going to end up getting dubbed anyway, no matter how good their English is. Yep. Because that's that's basically how films are done here. Um, but if their mouth moves right, then the, the dubbing is easier. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So that was the ultimate goal. I don't know yeah. if you guys, uh, Todd, you know, I think you would know my friend Kay, right? Kay Gander, oh, yeah, I know this Kay. British guy mm-hmm. who's also a voice actor. Very talented. And he talked he does, uh, you know, he tells stories about his dubbing experiences in the industry in China. You know, he tells funny stories about it. But I wonder if that's all true. Like he talks about dubbing over this uh, British naval captain <laughs> who looks like he was very British naval captain ish. But when he opens his mouth, it's like, you know, I can't do the Russian <laughs> accent. So he had a, he had a, he had a, he had to cover that with his British accent. And then there was another time they asked him to come in and, and to the studio and they're like, Hey, here's someone that we found who was acting like a, as a bouncer. And he just says something. And Kay, Kay was like, so what's the line? Where's the script? They're like, we don't have a script. <laughs> they're like, what did he say? They were like, we don't know what he said. Just make something up. Does that ever happen to you? Oh yeah. I've had, um, I've had a couple very surreal moments. One of them was a couple years ago, I was called in to dub over a guy in a science fiction movie. Um, and this was before this, this was, a I think it was a joint U S and China mm-hmm. production and it was some science fiction movie, the aliens and things. And I was, there was a sort of comic relief Mm. police officer Mm -hmm. and they had sent me the audition which was you know here's a clip and you know just do this guy's voice and so um they called me in and they said i said okay uh here i am and they show me the guy and he's like canadian he's speaking perfect english you Mm know uh and and it sounded good and i said so what you want me to like make him a little older make him younger and they said no we called you in because you can more or less sort of match his voice Mm. We just want you to do it. And so I said, really? He's like, yeah. And I ended up doing this guy's voice over himself. And the only reason was because um, there were uh, there were other scenes where they didn't have his dialogue or this dialogue was um, was was dirty. You know, there were other sounds that were mm-hmm. messing it up. Um, um, there were special effects shots where they didn't bother shooting dialogue you know, di- sound at all. Right. And so they knew they were going to come back in and dub him later. But this guy wasn't available because he was back overseas and it was cost too much money to bring him back in or he, they just couldn't bring him back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up dubbing this guy's as close to his own voice as possible. And then I learned that every character in this movie was getting dubbed over mm. every. So these poor folks, mm. you know, they go see this movie and they sit down in the theater and they look up and <laughs> not a single one of their voices is coming out of their mouths on the screen. Mm. And then another really odd situation was uh, I was doing a TV show and they had this character who was clearly of like a Latin origin or mm. I think he was Mexican. Uh huh. And he's doing his lines in Spanish, but the lines in the script were English. <laughs> I, and they were trying to get me to dub English over him, which I did. <laughs> but the mouth didn't match at all. Mm. I said, what is going on here? And they said, I said, but why? Why was it originally in Spanish? And they said, well, it wasn't like the script was in Spanish, but the guy could not do English. So the director just let him <laughs> translate his lines into Spanish, do the Spanish, and then later knowing that they were going to dub it over in English and the mouth wasn't going to match at all. So I gave him like a, a bit of a Mexican <laughs> um, Hispanic accent and they were blown away, you know? And I was like, well, you got to at least do that, you know? Like get something right about this character on the screen. <laughs> and you know, guys, believe it or not, I actually, I actually did a little bit of voiceover work in college mm. myself as mm. well. 
I was oh nice. It was it was very random. Of some producer who came to our uh, counselor, someone at school, and they're like, "Hey, we need people who, you know, students in your department that could." maybe do the voiceover of this TV show. And the, the the lead actor back then, he was just budding and now he's pretty big. I think, I don't know if you guys know, uh, Luo Jin, that's his, uh, one of his earlier works. Probably not based on the fact that there's no reaction from both of you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, but it was, that, it was the kind of thing, it was a TV show about, you know, Chinese students going overseas and getting their uh, uh, master's degrees and coming back and starting their, own tech company mm. in Zhongguancun. And, and of course there's like a lot of love triangles, rectangles, whatever involved mm. in the, in the whole. And the, the, the character I was dubbing for was the, the second female lead. And she would in the TV show and she, she passed away uh, very unfortunately mm. in a tra uh, traffic uh, accident, but in the TV show, she was so talented, but she would only say, for example, the first two words in English, mm. and then the rest of the dialogue would be in Chinese. And I, I would have to match the English dialogue length and how, it, you know, how she was saying the Chinese lines to mm -hmm. English. And it was back then I was a college student and didn't have there was a lot of like, you know, uh, love plots and dating and whatever that's involved. And I hadn't had any romantic relationship experience at that point. So it was very hard <laughs> for me. To try to portray a woman that is a little bit tipsy at a date, <laughs> wanting to say yes to this guy, but worried about him finding out that she has a daughter. I was like, I don't know what to do. You didn't have a lot of personal experience to draw from there, huh? <laughs> it was hard for me to try to interpret. Based on your our discussions about how much Korean drama you watch, it seems like this would almost be perfect mm. <laughs> for you. <laughs> I guess if you haven't done it yourself, it's kind of like when you're imitating it doesn't i don't mm. know maybe i don't know todd is that is that something <laughs> that you know if you're if it's if it's not a personal experience like it's a little hard mm. for you to really get into it you could only try to 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 you know mimic the emotion or oh yeah we talk about this all the time and i i've done acting my whole life i was heavily involved in theater when i was in um high school and competitive theater events and things and then uh took a mm. break from it in college and was more focused on music but um then later when I was a little more established and had a job and kind of a regular nine to five routine, I got involved mm. in community theater. And so I did a lot of, I was always in a play or two um, at any given time generally for, for a while, for a lot of my life. And I've, and one thing we talk about, especially the older guys like me is like mm. how much better we are now uh, as actors, mm. because we actually have this mm, life experience mm, mm. Uh, um, that we didn't have when we were younger actors. We just had to pretend, but now, um, you know, we feel a little more confident in some of these roles uh, with some of these situations because we know what it feels like to to lose someone, you know, or to to get married or the euphoria mm -hmm. of a, of a relationship and all the pitfalls and ups and downs that go with that. You just you're better at it when you've experienced it. But yeah, that being said, I mean, it's not a requirement, right, for acting. Actors always have to play <laughs> aliens and people that they could never possibly, you know, have an experience with. So uh, you just do have to have an imagination, I suppose. But it's a lot easier if you have personal experience to draw from, for sure.
Well, Todd, um, you know, in addition to acting, what kind of other experience or educational background do you have from back home that made you a suitable fit for this kind of work here? My degree was in communication, mm -hmm. journalism. Uh, and so I had a bit of that journalism background. I was a news reporter wow. for a while. And so the radio, um, the radio experience really helped train my voice. And so I think that that made me suitable for this for sure. And that's just something I've always had with me. Mm. Um, I, I had a company back in the States. I still do, I guess, but it's not very active um, doing uh, filmmaking. So I would do a lot of promotional videos, TV show uh, com um, commercials and things for money. And then my own personal projects, you know, for fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we did a couple documentaries, a couple full length movies, um, a lot of shorts, things like that. Just whatever mm -hmm. was interesting. Uh, and I think being behind the camera in the production sense, because I've, I've had to do a lot of audio editing. I've had to do my own voice war overs, mm. and then I've had to sit and edit those and match them up to the screen and, mm. and do the sound stuff. And so the more experience you have in the different aspects of production, the better you're going to be at one of those aspects of production mm. because you can empathize with the other side, right? I agree. So if you're a good actor, you can theoretically be a, a better director because you've been in their role. You kind of know what they need. And you know what they don't need. <laughs> and so, you know, you're not making those kinds of mistakes. So I think just um, my general background has, uh, over the years, has really geared me up for this quite, quite accidentally. <laughs> I, I'm really happy to have fallen into this. It's, it's more or less a dream come true for me. It really is. And I'm, I'm, I, it's taken me a while to get there. But um, once it just kind of unfolded in front of me, I just had to snatch this opportunity. And yeah. Well, what would you say, because this is relatively new that you're doing this full-time in the last couple of years, what would you say that you know mm -hmm. now that you didn't know a few years ago? Um, in regards to this, uh, I would say I'm, I'm now know my limit. I know my limits a little better. Hmm. I have a confidence in certain areas hmm. that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And I know now what I need to improve. Um, and that's very helpful. You know, it, it sounds like a given, right? But we don't always mm, honestly mm, mm, assess mm. ourselves. <laughs> and uh, and we have a lot of anxiety sometimes when we're called in to do certain things that we know we're not good at. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's good to give practice to kind of face those things and, and be able to do it. So I do, I definitely have a confidence there. Mm, mm. Um, I'm smarter about negotiation um, and rates and fees, which is something that as a guy who's sort of freelanced to some degree his whole mm. life, I've never been confident in. Uh, and never been comfortable with, and I'm getting more comfortable and confident with it now. And I think China's a good place for it, too, because, boy, this is a culture of negotiators here, um, more so than the U.S. anyway. Uh, and you really have to sort of step up that game, even sometimes if you're just mm. buying something from the shop. And and so um, I'm better at that than I used to be. Uh, and so I know how important that is, and I've gotten some mm -hmm. practice with it. I don't know. I don't know what else, what else I could say in regards to that. Well, what would you say? Um, you know, you, you keep talking about how lucky you feel. And it seems like, you know, based on the very first moment you came on air with us earlier before the show started, I was like, wow, your voice is really <laughs> suited to this kind of work instantaneously. Just based on you, like saying hello or whatever. I was like, wow, that's that's a heck of a voice. But what would you say, like you find most fulfilling <laughs> about working in this kind of field? I um I think for me, anything that you feel like you do well, right? is mm. fulfilling. Um, whether it came naturally to you or whether you had to work to get there, mm. the end result is the same. If you can wake up every day and like walk out with confidence and do what you need to do, um, that is super fulfilling. And not everybody has a job like mm. that. I mm. certainly have not always had jobs like that. <laughs> this is the most like that job that I've had. And yet I know I'm not 
the best. I know I'm not, there are a lot of things I'm not good at. I'm not terribly great at accents. I can mimic pretty mm-hmm. well. So if, uh, if you say do a Russian accent, I'm going to be horrible at it. But if you, um, if I listen to a guy, you know, a Russian guy speaking for a couple minutes, I can mimic mm-hmm. his words quite well and kind of mimic his accent and play with it. Yeah. So this is something I need to work on. And so that's why I said earlier, um, kind of knowing your limits. I think something that's fulfilling about this job and, and where I am now is that there are ways I know I need to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. So there, there's room to grow. You know, I've, li- I've literally had jobs where I just I felt like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just on autopilot all day long. Like there's nothing for, more for me to learn here. And uh, you would think that that would be nice and cushy and cozy as long as you're making money. No. But there's, I, I don't know, maybe some people are like that, but I tend to feel like there's an innate human drive that we have, that we do get bored easily and we, we want to mm-hmm. uh, better ourselves and challenge ourselves. We need that challenge. And so you feel more exploited if you're doing something that you're not growing. Yeah, um, yeah. You're kind of just contributing your labor mm. and hours. I've taken right? a lot of management mm. courses. And one of the things, like, you, you can actually not give someone as much of a pay raise and have them still be happy if you're giving them an education and helping them learn about their field or about related fields. Absolutely. People are like, wow, I'm, I really feel happy here because I get the opportunity to grow. And so you, you can give them 6% pay raise instead of an 8% pay raise because they're happy that you're giving them some online tool to help them learn about some subject and get some certifications. Oh, yeah, totally true. 100%. Uh, and I've had a lot of jobs, you know, I've had a lot of um, jobs, some for years and some for just a couple years. And that's always been the case, really. Yeah. At some point, you you might get all the accolades in the world. You might be very happy with the salary yeah. you're getting, but you're mm-hmm. just bored, you know. And it was it was something like that that brought me to China in the first place. Just kind of bored with life, kind of felt like I had done everything I could do and kind of was interested in and just needed a complete 100% mm-hmm. reset, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, so, you mentioned listening to someone who's with a Russian accent to get ready for like emulating them specifically. So if you're going to do an accent, is that what like in a, in a cartoon or in a movie or something, is that what you do? You listen to someone speaking in that accent, like on like an, on your uh, headphones. And then, then you're like, okay, I feel like I'm ready to do an Irish accent, for example. Absolutely. I have to, I have to, cause I don't have those things in my back pocket <laughs> and I, and I, if I were more professional, I would have those things in my back pocket. You know, mm-hmm. I would have certain voices, certain accents, all worked up that I could do at a moment's notice. And there are people here. I feel like Kay's really good at that also, um, that can just snap into an accent. Kay, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do have to listen. I, I was um, doing one of these videos, and they wanted me to play Donald Trump. Uh, they actually, <laughs> they oh, actually no. flew me to Shanghai for a one-hour shoot of just me playing donald trump and it's like you suck at afk arena you know i checked your stats you know you're terrible you know and China. i had to go i had to go on and i mean i had to go on to all these youtube videos and watch mm-hmm. trump and then i had to watch videos of people doing trump just to kind of get something that i was comfortable with it was a bit of a challenge mm. for me Maybe this is true of you. I, th- I th- it's definitely true for me. When I was living back home in the states in San Francisco, California, almost all of my friends were other American people. And moving to South Korea and then China, I met a lot of people from like England and Ireland and and you know everywhere. Actually, just you know a UN group of friends that I had around me for a long time. And I'm, I'm wondering, you you must have friends from all kinds of different countries. Do you ever just like try to copy your friend? You know? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Actually, years ago, I, I did a play. I was doing Dracula, and I was Van Helsing um, in the play version of Dracula. 
And uh, I, I wasn't very professional about it, but I, I vaguely, I didn't realize that Dracula was Dutch. Mm. I mean, Van Helsing is Dutch, right? Uh, I didn't quite realize that. For some reason, I had it in my mind that he was German. And uh, there was this woman, this neighbor lady that we had, who had a very strong <laughs> German accent. And so I just thought of her when I practiced my lines and tried to sound as much like her as possible. So the funniest thing was mm. after the, after the um, performance one, one night, one audience member came running up to me. I was like, oh, I loved your performance. And you nailed that <laughs> Dutch accent of Van Helsing. He said, I have a friend who used to teach here and he was uh, Dutch and you just sounded just like him. You just had this perfect Dutch accent. And I was like, oh, thank So you. I guess this means you need to work on your German accent. <laughs> I guess so, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. That's amazing. Oh, man. So um, what kind of things do you hope that you can do in the future? Because it sounds like to me that you've done everything, everything I can think of. Maybe I don't know very much about your industry and that's why it sounds like everything. <laughs> but like, what have you not done? What is your company? What have you not done that you're really interested in doing in the next year or two that would help you stretch? Um, I really want to do some writing. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I used to write a lot and um, mm. reading these audiobooks, I think, has really kind of lit a fire under me. I, these are the what I read, to be frank with you, are yeah. these genre audiobooks. They're like supernatural werewolf things or like Twilight type stuff or, you know, whatever. It's really hot right now, mm. um, this fantasy genre, but also with a little romance and stuff like that mixed in. And a lot of what I read, to be quite frank with you, is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it It's wildly popular, apparently, because I can see the numbers, but um, I'm thinking, you know, every time I sit down and read these books, I'm like, gosh, I could write something just half as good as this. (laughs) Way better, yeah. Way better, yeah. You know, um, and... and... (laughs) I have more faith in you, Tom. And so, uh, yeah, that's something that I'm actually, I'm outlining a story right now that I'm going to, I'm going to try to carve out some time every day and sit back down and write like I used to and, and... try my hand at writing something that I'm actually would then perform and get my friends to perform. And we'll see how that goes. Do you know that uh, Stephen King has a book? I think it's called on writing. Yes. yes. It's wonderful. I know every time, every time I've read it twice, both times I read that book after I finished, I was like, I want to write really. I was just like, it makes you burn to write because you feel like, okay, that's it. That's all. He makes it sound so simple. That's all yes. I have to do. And then a- Ray Bradbury yeah. also has a book called, um, the art of writing, I think, which is similarly mm. excellent, but Ray Stephen Bradbury. King's is one <laughs> taking of notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm writing this down. <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's something I'm also interested in. But I think, you know, I mean, and maybe you will do this because you mentioned carving out time every day. You have to just write all the time and for a long period of time before you're writing really like catches fire. You know? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And read a lot, too, mm-hmm. which is something I've um, been doing fallen back on. Well, oh, yeah, because I mean, you're doing it professionally, right? That's true. That's true. But I mean, like reading really good stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. sitting down with like a classic novel or something that, you know, has been through an editor and has been quite good. And 
um, and just kind of, I think reading a lot makes you, that's, that's what Ray Bradbury would say. Yeah. Reading mm -hmm. a lot makes you a better writer. Absolutely. Um, I think that's the same thing when you, if you want to learn a language, you have to intensively listen to it mm -hmm. for enough time. And then, you know, you know, you pick up all the things that you wouldn't know if you just from, if you just do it from trying to learn it from other people, you have to immerse yourself in the environment. And that's what kind of reading is to writing. You know, on a kind of parallel uh, question, I have a question for Alex, actually. The, you know, some of the people that we work with in making the show have been asking me, like, wow, how did Alex learn her English? And there are a lot of people that are really impressed with that. And I was wondering, Alex, if, if you could help some of our listeners, our Chinese listeners out uh, with like some tips on how you became so fluent, because you basically sound like an American to most people who listen to you. You yeah. know, the, the funny mm -hmm. answer to that I, I that I came up with was just uh, Desperate Housewives. Whenever people ask me, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I watched I watched that's that. the secret. I, that, that's a secret. A show. And if you want to know that the bonus answer to that, that's gossip girls it's but it's <laughs> wow <laughs> i know i watch a lot of i watch a lot of nonsense drama when i was in uh high school i actually started learning english a lot later than other people but it's really like i said that's why i said it has to be intensive listening or reading like the input part has to be really really given a lot of thoughts and you know uh energy behind it when i was in high school i guess i was just really interested in learning English so it wasn't it didn't feel like an extra you know effort or burden on my shoulder but I actually had um well academically I had I had three or four notebooks that were you know fully used and it was all of the questions mm -hmm. I got wrong and I would write the question down and I would write down the wrong answer that I put in and my thinking behind why I thought that was the answer and then the right answer below that and then why grammatically that's the right answer to that question so i did that wow like, yeah that yeah, sounds so, like a lot of work system i really didn't feel like a lot of work to me i was like i get to write in this notebook and i'm going to use a black pen a blue ink pen and a red ink pen for different so it was like it was wow nerd alert but um <laughs> i did i did that and I was doing, I think, what actually sort of made my English a lot better, not overnight, but within a, 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 the matter of a couple of mm. weeks was this mm. English dubbing class that we had in high school. It wasn't, you know, it was part of the extracurriculum classes that the, the school were allowing us to do. And we were we were watching movies like, you know, For <laughs> Forrest Gump and The Princess Diaries and, you know, all of these uh not classics, because you wouldn't call Princess Diary classic, but we we would watch a certain clip from that movie over and over and over again. And you try to recite the mm. dialogue, you have to dub over it. So you kind of through that process really notice a lot of like subtle mm. things of the, uh, you know, quote unquote, American accent or just English in general. And I think that kind of opened a door. And then I went through, I went through sort of a crazy phase with my friend Jennifer in high school. We would talk to each other only in English. And I, I despise <laughs> that nowadays. I hate when Chinese people talk to each other. Like when we're both fluent in Chinese, why? I hate that. But in high school, I was like, I am, I am doing this. I don't care where I am improving, improving my spoken English. I don't care what other people think. And then apparently... Like years later, my high school friends talked to me. They were like, oh, yeah, were you going through a phase in high school where you and Jennifer would just like speak to each other in English 
like oh. all the time. I was like, well, I guess it was a little crazy. <laughs> but there, that's my secret. It sounded like a lot of different pieces of advice. And I think, you know, someone could put together their entire lesson plan based on that. Thank you very much. I know there's really no you shortcut. Know, that, that is I've, I've heard that many times. I, I have a few friends whose English, it, their accent is so American that mm, if I mm. met them in the U.S., I would never imagine. And, and in all of their cases, mm. they've never been abroad. And I was just shocked at that that was even possible. And they all said the same thing you did. They said, you know what? I'm just, A, very interested in, in learning English. And B, I watched a ton of yeah. TV. Mostly friends. Yeah. <laughs> Will and Grace for me. <laughs> I have a student named Chandler right now. Uh, I'm, it's pretty obvious in my head where that name came from. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> you mentioned flying to shanghai so obviously you've been you've been here what you said coming up on six years where else have you traveled around china and uh what did you like about you know some of these places oh sure um i've been to shanghai a number of times i've been to suzhou um um xian i've been to hong kong taiwan a couple times each i've been to um uh shenzhen Ooh, and yeah. Harbin during the snow festival, right in the middle of yeah. the cold. Alex is from Dongbei, from the Northeast, but she hasn't been to the oh. ice festival. Oh, we were just talking about mm. that. I mean, <laughs> I think it's good to do once. I've never been to the <laughs> and festival. Then, never again, because I've, oh, man, I, actually the whole time I was in Harbin, I was thinking, mm. you know, this place must be really nice in the summer. You know, it's beautiful in the winter. It's even mm, more beautiful mm. from inside a warm house looking out <laughs> because um, I've never been so cold in my life. Yeah. And I lived up in the north, you know, close to Canada and the U.S. I thought I knew what cold was, but no. Uh, Harvey in February during the Ice and Snow Festival. Oh, my goodness. Proved you wrong. <laughs> I'm sure for the, for, uh, for the eyes, it's a feast. No, oh, feast for the eyes for sure. And uh, really impressive. Japan has something similar. They have um, up in Hokkaido in Sapporo, they have a snow festival, mm -hmm. which I'd also been to because i lived in japan for a few years and um mm. and i mm. they both were different um japan was much more into these giant car snow carvings and ice carvings and the the harbin one was more was bigger and was more about these giant like structures like ice yeah. castles you could like walk around in and like stairs you climb up inside and all around it was just mind-blowing in a in a completely different way yeah, you could walk around it and just let it go. Let it yeah. go. Oh, Ice gosh. slides. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. I, had to, I, had to, I had to do it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> One of the questions I was planning on asking you is, what do you miss about home? But you mentioned that you don't ha really have one home. So I, I, yeah. I, I guess, what would you say are some of the uh, things that you miss about America generally? Like, you know, uh, I miss yeah. Taco Bell, for example. There, honestly, I'm, maybe I'm a little weird, but there are not a lot of things I really miss about home. Um, I like to go hmm. home and see my family and stuff. There aren't particular foods I crave. In fact, um, mm. I don't know. I feel like... Just in general, the food here is better. <laughs> <laughs> ah. You know, 
I do miss Taco Bell. Like, you know, there's certain little things like what that. What is with Taco Bell? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain, I guess. <laughs> she I mean, there is one there is filling. one in Beijing. I went no. and I there's just no felt beans like, in No, that, the one though. the one in Beijing is just not at all. It's like a poor facsimile of what Taco Bell is in the States. Yeah. 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 Right? It felt it felt like they replaced all the beans you guys miss with salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything's rice. It's like rice and meat, which is good, and they have like cheese and stuff, but there's no beans. That's not Taco they Bell. They don't have it's like so salt. Cheese. Yeah, they use yeah, like cheese yeah. sauce here mm-hmm. and it, all of it's a little odd yeah <laughs> so so i don't and 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 also i think i've gotten spoiled as well by the convenience of living in beijing mm-hmm. uh, when my parents came to visit a few years ago and we were going around and um my parents were like gosh i think it was my dad who said uh i would hate to go around china without todd <laughs> and my mom said Aww. i my mom said I would hate to go around China without Todd's phone <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it, it takes a while before you kind of realize, oh, my gosh, yeah, with your phone, you can do anything mm-hmm. here. Um, you can do a quick translation. You can order food wherever you are. You know, you can pay uh, in any way, shape or form. You can call up uh, mm-hmm. reviews on restaurants anywhere, get directions there, then call the, the DD for it, you know, all really quickly. And it's all super convenient and super cheap compared to back home mm. uh you try to travel around with uber back home you know which is kind of the equivalent yeah. of dd here and you can do it but it's it's somehow it's just not the same experience and it's certainly not as inexpensive and so you just don't do it as often and so i think that when i go home um i get frustrated <laughs> <laughs> that i suddenly don't have access to these things mm. or i have mm. what i consider like poorer versions of them yeah. <laughs> uh and it 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 you know, it messes with my <laughs> lifestyle a little bit, you know? <laughs> Actually, that was our very first show I, on, yep. that we did together. We did a show about, like, how convenient the, having a phone and all of these apps is. Yeah, I had a full rant about how Uber Eats doesn't really serve the purpose. <laughs> yeah, some, some, some poor Uber driver jagoff, you know, who just kind of chucks, <laughs> chucks your meal in the backseat of his car. Like, you know, it's just... It's not the same. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, walk two blocks out from your apartment to get your food. I'm like, no, I want it delivered to my door. That's why I'm not going out to buy groceries and make it myself. You might also want it warm, you know, yeah. by the time you get it. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Alex is a professional no. comedian in Beijing, so you guys might still have the opportunity to see each other around because maybe you walk into a club <laughs> soon, Todd, and Alex will just be standing there. You know what? I think I actually have seen you do stand-up, Alex. Ed- and, and apparently that didn't leave enough of an impression to make you say that with full confidence. No, but I may have had a few drinks at the time. That explains a lot of it. It's probably more my fault. That than explains yours. a lot yeah, of it. But sure. I, I am. I sometimes when people are asking me, they're like, oh, do you do a comedy full time? I'm like, no, no, no. It's like, you know, a hobby. Um, but I, I do wish to incorporate more of this whole different cultural perspective to it because my my comedy is very much about just my life and whatever random things like i am super sporadic in my materials um that's why i like what the the other comedian friend who's also a voice actor that i just mentioned uh kate gambit like he is he's a very good storyteller and his materials are more like you know really him looking at different cultures that he had to interact with in his profession which is very, very interesting. And he's he's great. Maybe maybe we should, uh, you know, mm. Todd, you mm. should uh, come and check both of us out. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think I've read um, advice like about how to do comedy right, you know, how to do stand up right. And what you just said is is what I've heard from these comedians. They say, you know, like, do what you know, like, you know, talk about exactly yourself, get get personal. And the more personal you get with it, the better your material is going to be. So I think you're definitely because I right guess comedy here. is in some ways um, similar to voice acting. Like if you're doing something you have no idea of, you're just trying to mimic it thinking that's what it is you really like people could tell i went back and watched that show that i dubbed when i was 21 years uh -huh. old it's uh, it's absolutely hilarious guys i'll send you i'll send you guys oh, clips. i, I was i it was so it was so funny hearing myself go okay frank <laughs> it was it was the guy's name was Frank. That was that's, that was my first and only on screen voice acting husband, I guess, that I never get to meet. Um, and I had to be like, no, Frank, no, no, no. And then we kissed on screen. <laughs> and it was, oh, I'll yeah. send it to you guys. It's absolutely just hilariously funny. That's, I, I can't even, I can't even describe it. I, I think I should just do a screening of that as a drinking game <laughs> with all of my friends. I think everybody will have a blast for sure. Oh, you know, I know a couple positive, people who do comedy and a yeah. couple other people who also do radio. And, you know, one thing I noticed that's really common is timing. Just making sure that like the flow of what you say Absolutely. hits the mark at the right time. Sometimes mm -hmm. certain jokes would only work so, if the timing. Most jokes would only work if the timing is right. Like we would hear, you know, either it's a new comedian or, or, or a new material from a veteran comedian. And you hear the joke and you're like, you know, if you just tighten up timing there a little bit, it, it would work. Or sometimes we're just you know, very uh, selfishly thinking, I would do that joke so much better than you do because I know the timing better. You know, I was thinking about comedy and it actually gave me an idea for a question for Todd. Are there other voice actors that are professionals in the industry that you look to for like guidance or like uh, an example? Oh, that's a good mm. question. Um, I, I get on YouTube and I just kind of go around and see when I have time. I, I'm very, for example, like video game voices. Video game voices are very taxing um, because, like I said, you know, usually you only have like mm. 12 lines or something, but those have to be absolutely perfect. And a lot of times it's screaming, <laughs> you know, and you also have to do like the, ah! <laughs> you know, death lines and, you know, oh, come back. Yeah. I am going to meet my maker, you know, and it's like, OK, do that again, but with a little more <laughs> in your voice and, oh. It, it gets very taxing and you can actually mm -hmm. ruin your voice um, if you're not doing it properly. And uh, and so what mm -hmm. I do is I go and I look for those people who are coaches, uh, vocal coaches, and they don't have to be in, you know, vocal coaches, particularly for mm -hmm. um, the voice acting community. They can be singing coaches as well because it's the same sort of techniques. How do you sing mm -hmm. the right way? so that you're not straining your vocal cords. And so yeah. I spend a lot of time on random people sites. I couldn't really tell you their names because there's not one in particular, but I'm actively uh -huh. always seeking out that content. It's amazing having you on the, on the show, Todd. This has been a really good hour. Um, we are out of time, so we're going to have to say goodbye to you and, and uh, to our fans. Well, it's been great being on here. Thank you for having me. It's, it's a joy to chat with you guys. And Todd, uh, give uh, Jason and I a thought when you're thinking about hiring new people next for your new project. All right. <laughs> when I'm ready to add to the staff of my one-man show, I will be sure to give you guys a ring. We're ready. Right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.